folks, and welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast. Your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. Today, we sit down with Vig Nash, a 36-year-old entrepreneur business owner in the oil and gas industry in Houston, Texas. If you like this content and want to hear more and want to support the podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other app that streams. Enjoy today's episode. You're a, you're an oil executive right now. Can you briefly describe what you're doing currently? We are in a company called Glendale Energy Capital. So we uh, try to explore for oil and gas, you know, drill for oil and gas wells. We raise capital from multiple investors. We bring in a drilling contractor to come and drill the wells. And you bring in a completion contractor to come and, you know, frag the wells, mm. right? We produce oil and gas, and then we sell that to a marketing company with like pipelines in the area. Interesting. So we make revenue by producing that oil and gas by taking the risk to drill the wells. Interesting. So we do it in different funds or through one specific investor. It's kind of a hybrid between a fund and an uh, ENP company. ENP company, can you describe that? That's it, like a, a exploration and production okay. company for oil and gas. Okay, got it. And then in one of your prior interviews, you described it almost like a football field. Do you mind sharing that analogy that you were using for what you're doing? And the, the 10 to 20 yard is... Yeah, no, that's uh, you did some good research. Looks like I think it's been a while. But I think uh, where we come in is like, you know, we don't come and try to find a new basin or a new area, like try to find a new like reservoir. That's not our goal. We try to go into an area. When I say an area, it's more like a reservoir, like where there's already been producing oil and gas wells. And uh, we try not to reinvent the formula. We try to follow what the best design in the area has been and partner with the Operators who has already been drilling some good wells, kind of try to be under their wells, hmm. and uh, you know, and make a decent return. We are not looking for a four or five x multiple. I'm saying if we can deploy enough capital and make it two x, I think you can have a comfortable life. Totally. Right? And, and and the goal about doing that, like we don't, we are not in the expiration or we're not in the end of the phase of those wells because. Once you're in the end of the phase, you know, your uh, uh, your uh, purchase price for those wells, like, goes up. Like, you know, you can make a lower return target, right? It's great if you, have, if you have, like, a family office or if you're trying to put your own money to work, that strategy works. But if I'm working with, like, private equity capital or, like, hedge funds or, like, high-wealth investors, you know, they want a higher rate of return. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the... 30 to 40 yards of the football field is what we choose instead of being, you know, near the goal or like, you know, 10, 20 yards. So it's like we need enough development, but not too much, you know. Mm. So. And before we get too far in, into talking about what you're working on currently, I want to go back to sort of the beginning. You got your degree in university in India and you're from India. Can you talk about sort of your upbringing and where you're from? Yeah, sure. Uh, I grew up in a city called... Uh, Hyderabad, which is southern India, um, and uh, I, I did a, a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, and uh, I, I wanted to do like aeronautical engineering, but then uh, I was convinced that you don't have enough jobs in the 
know, like either my dad or his friends, you know, they always said like mechanical engineering is good. It's evergreen. You always need a mechanical engineer. You can go into aeronautical. You can always go in like any field you want. Like everybody needs a mechanical engineer. That's the kind of idea I was sold on. You know, when you're 18 or 16, 17, you don't have enough knowledge, right? You just go with the flow. And then uh, you know, sometimes I feel jealous of the generation right now because they have so much resources at hand, which you could just take for granted, right? What are you referring to when you say resources? Yeah, like, you know, you can just go online, Google up so much. You find everything about different, uh, uh, different departments or different, like, uh, if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like an Instagram influencer, right? You can go find so much information about it. It's all at your fingertips. Right. Even though it's not that far along, but even if you think like just 20 years back, like and you it, did not have that kind of information. So what would you do to try to learn more about these different fields? So, yeah. So uh, I, uh, you know, through my dad's friends, uh, I learned some information through either through my family, my, his friends or something. And then I ended up doing mechanical engineering. Um, and then that was a four-year course. I graduated that. And then the question was like, now what? Right. Mm. And, um, and then I, uh, I was looking around, you know, the goal was to get out of India. Like my mom really wanted me to get out. Like, you know, she thought I would learn more about the world and everything, mm. like getting out. And then uh, I was watching a discovery channel one day and, uh, it just popped up. Like I saw some offshore fields, people doing some hard work. You know, man, I was like, that that looks really cool, right? Like like the city I grew up in, there's no oil and gas. It's not like Houston, right? So my family or friends would think I'll work in gas stations if I do like a master's in petroleum engineering. So I started researching that. And the way I researched it is honestly, there's this thing called the Yahoo Groups back in the day. So it's kind of an... Uh, uh, different groups about different topics. So you just post a topic and then it's like a chain where people can discuss about the topic. Got it. Right. So I just put, found out information on petroleum engineering through that. And then I found out, so like one of my uh, family friends, like, okay, to get more information. And I found out the best schools to apply in the US or the UK. And then I, uh, I, I like ended up selecting New Mexico Tech which is in New Mexico. That's a whole other story. And uh, ended, wow. up, ended up moving moving to Socorro to do my master's in petroleum engineering. And by the time you moved, were you, were you excited? Were you eager to move? Yeah, at that point, yeah, of course. You know, it was a big deal to get a visa, right? Like some, some of the basic things, what you take for granted in this country, right? It's a big deal. Like just to get my visa stamped on my passport to come to the United States to get into college was a big deal. Wow. It was such a big deal. Like, you know, we have a guard in Southern India. So uh, if if any of your uh, uh, dreams come true and, and you pray to him, you go like shave your hair off. Like it's, it's like thanking him for giving, you know, what you prayed. Right. Mm. So it was such a big deal. Wow. Like I, I, I shaved my hair off just as in gratitude for him. You know, wow. to, to do it. And so it's, it's, a, it's such a big deal just to get a visa, you know. So anyway, I ended up getting a visa for New Mexico Tech as a university. I applied to a bunch of schools and, and like ended up at New Mexico Tech. For me, I was thinking the whole U.S. looks the same. 
You know, I thought it's all like what you look in movies and pictures. It's all like New York and LA, right? Like that was my view of the US. Like you have to understand there's not enough of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, like these kind of things back in the day, right? So you have a certain view you form by watching movies or whatever. Yeah, and then I ended up moving to, moving to like New Mexico Tech, Socorro. So very is, different than what you had imagined. Oh, on yeah, TV. it was, yeah, it was like a desert. You know, like it's, I, I think it's about 1500 students when I moved in and about six to 6,000 people population in that city, right? Whereas I'm coming from 1.2 billion people in India. What about yeah. in your specific city? Uh, probably I'll say, uh, I need to do the math. It's about seven crores. <laughs> seven, seven crores in my state. That's an Indian number. I need to convert the math, but. Okay. You know, so, is that a lot? Is that a big? T- is that oh, a big? It's, it's 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 like a third biggest city or fourth biggest city in India. Oh my gosh! Right? Okay, so yeah. I'm coming from a highly densely populated mm-hmm. city. You move to, uh, you know, you move to Socorro. Like, you know, uh, you'll be surprised. I had to Google if New Mexico is in U.S. or it's Mexico. Like, what did I do? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I really went to. I think it was MapQuest back in the day. Yeah. I'm the map question, Google, I think I'm in the States. I know this, I'm in the States, but why does it look this way? Oh, it's man. all like just mountains and yeah. trees. There's nothing happening here. And then uh, I just said, man, I need to get my, you know, that actually helped me focus on my degree. You know, I was not the brightest kid growing up. I'm not like the topper of my class, but I was like average kid who knew to get through, but I was street smart in certain ways, right? Which like helped me out in my life. but. I said, man, okay, this is probably good for me. I'm going to focus on my education, get out from here. And and like usually it's a four semester course at least. I had like a two year course if you take some class in the summer. But I, I finished in like three semesters. No way. Uh, yeah. Because, How did you do that? Because I just want to take more courses and get the hell out. Wow. It was not that, and I did not want to do like any research. I was like, man, I'm just going to take more courses. So how? what was your work ethic? Like how much were you working per day? Oh, I had to work pretty hard, right? Because like an international student, you coming, you come up here. Like I, I was fortunate to get a scholarship. You know, once I came to the school in New Mexico Tech, um, and I, I had a scholarship as a teaching assistant. And then in summers, there's no teaching, so I would work in the labs, like helping the PhD students. You know, to keep your income going. But uh, no, so so it's it's probably taught me more discipline. You know, like. Like it taught me the value of things. I think that's where it started. Like uh, growing up, you know, uh, growing up, you take certain things for granted, you know. Um, so I think that's where you start learning the value of things like your family or like relationships, right? So this country taught me everything. I say this one country that gave me birth, India, and this this country, US, which gave me life, wow. right? Because I moved here when I was like 20, right? So, yeah, you had to work pretty hard to support the tuition, right? And then to pay for the living and, you know, and and honestly, and then you had to also grind to get a job because nobody wants to sponsor a work visa, right? Like if you went to like Texas A&M or someone where like the uh, alumni network was strong, that was a different story. You know, you wear the Texas A&M ring in Houston or Texas, it's very powerful. You get a job. Like I would go to this, networking events, like that's a natural conversation starter, right? Hey, which dorms did you live in? And who's the professors there now? But you go to New Mexico Tech, it's a great school. It's amazing staff and everything, but we just don't have that kind of a network right. of, of, of like alumni. 
because mm. was it 1600 students was just 40,000 or 50,000, right? So, so anyway, that was a grind. I would, I was always like getting my classes done enough. So I just graduate to the next semester where I don't have to repeat the class, but I was always focused on, you know, when I try to apply for a summer internship, the first time I realized how hard it is to get a job. Till then, I never realized how it's like applying for a job or what it takes. Because I never had like a mentor or someone to like guide me in the process. So you learn kind of things hard way. And then I was, uh, I was applying for jobs like night and day, but no response, right? This is my first semester trying to get through a summer internship in the first two semesters, right? I came in fall and then you start applying in spring. But that's when I realized, man, this is a lot more grind. <laughs> You know, so I was, yeah, so basically you're working, you're trying to support. Did you have then, a social life? Like, did you feel balanced? Oh, yeah, that, that's what keeps me going. I was always good about that element of it. No matter what, like, you always take time. Either it's working out or, you know, you're young, you want to go out on dates or, like, you know, whatever. That's, like, I would go to this place, Albuquerque. It was 75 miles away. Even though we didn't have a car, I would pay the gas in one of my friend's cars and let's go, you know. Wow. like things like that and we'd go to El Paso. Like even with the little mm. funds or time you have, man, I would try to make the best of it because I know time times like that, they don't come back. Mm. You know, we'd always cross the border, go to uh, Juarez, you know, just party there. There used to be this bar, like $20, all you can drink, you know, go with friends, you know. <laughs> it's not the best quality <laughs> liquor. Probably I'll, I'll wake up with a hangover right. now, you know. But, but you uh, had a great time, yeah. Yeah, it, like, and within the resources and the time you can afford, you know, you always, I think that's what always kept me going. Mm. You know, you can't be beaten down by the by stress the at that time. Wow. So that, that balance kind of prevented you from a major burnout. Yeah, it's, it's never, I think for me, it's come down to the, uh, like the way you set your mind. It comes to the, like, like the way you approach things. If you think it's a burnout, it's a burnout. If you think it's a grind, there's something, some light at the end of the tunnel, Right. Like mm. what I try to, I try to enjoy what I do. Like that's the number one thing. If I don't have fun, I don't like to do it because it's just not worth it. Because, you know, even my job, like I work for six companies on a H-1B visa, like on a work visa, which is very hard to get sponsorship in this country within first five years or six years of me starting my employment, which is unheard of, right? Where a lot of people take the more uh, more comfort path where you stay at one company, get the green card sponsored. Like, you know, you wait in that company for next six, seven years, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more comfortable and there's nothing wrong with that. But I never treat myself like what I did, all that grind, because I, I was excited to do that. Because I was excited to look like, okay, this experience I'm learning. It's not about the dollars, what you make at that point of time, but it's like looking at the bigger picture Right. And then believing in stuff like things will come with time. You, you got to put in efforts today. So, yeah. So that's how I approach things, you know, like, yeah. I, think, I think that, 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 that helps me out a lot. And, and you said you were working at five or six different companies all simultaneously. No, no, no. Like, like one after other. One uh, after the other. Yeah. Okay, one quickly. after other. But, but my point is I didn't stick with one job just because I'm getting my salary, getting paid and not jumping to the next job because I'm mm. getting a 10000 or 15000 or $30,000 increase yeah. or a hike. Okay, that could be a lot of money, but I'm looking at the long term. 
is ten or thirty thousand dollars going to change my life? Probably not. I'll still live in the same apartment, you know. So you said you didn't have a mentor, a major mentor at this time, but these are. It sounds like you had a very good head on your shoulders. Where do you think you were develop? How did you develop this kind of way of thinking about life and approaching life? Uh, you know, I think most of it is like unknowingly, like in the family I grew up in. You know, I, I grew up in a family like uh, we, where my dad and his brothers all stayed under one roof, right? We're like 14 people in my in my house when I was growing up, and so it's like unknowingly, you you know, my mom used to work in a bank. Right, she was like a bank officer and like kind of a sub manager for like you know like like Wells Fargo like here in the U.S. Right, but then she was also a little more entrepreneurial. Right, she would she was like an uh, cost you know like a jewelry designer. So I think unknowingly you watch her and you pick up things from them. Right, and it 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 just looking at the bigger view. I think you just pick up and and some of it probably my grandfather. So my dad lost his dad when he was very young. So his uncle was kind of the father figure and uh, kind of the ways he approached life, like unknowingly, like, you know, like growing up in India and Hyderabad, um, he was not very conservative, right? He was not very orthodox, right? He's, he's a very good mix of like modern, you know, like, you know, still having the same family values and everything, but still looking at life in a very different way. So I think some of these you just pick up like watching, but you don't realize at that time, right? And these principles, you just create these characteristics within yourself. And I think they just come together. You know, that's what at least happened happened to me. You know, you just take it day by day, but you believe in some goal, have a midterm, like, you know, midterm view of what you want. and. Kind of just just give your best shot at it. Wow, so, and and have these views on life been developing over time? Like, do you feel like the person you were in college is vastly different than where you are now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, in college, you know, I was probably more happy person, right? Less stress. No, <laughs> like I'm just saying when I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just kidding when I say that. But I think, uh, you know, the stress at that point is different. Man, I just need to get through the school. I just need to get through these classes, right? You know, I told you I was not the smartest kid, but, and I was not that focused on like, you know, like uh, like the academics part of it, but how do you get it done, right? So I had some good friends who would make me like a summary notes instead of me going and reading my whole textbook. These guys would put a 300 page thing into a 30 page thing. Now I just started prepared that, right? But I was fortunate to have friends like that, right? Like during the spot. And, but also uh, me being street smart about hanging out with the right guys. You know, mm. first because they're my friends, but also this is an additional benefit, right? Mm. So we are still friends today, right? Like, you know, that's one thing I try to remember is remember the people who helped you along the path, right? No matter where you grow, I think, I think it just gives me a self of satisfaction. Hmm. You know, so. And you constantly keep in touch with these. these yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the time and fortunate with all the WhatsApp and everything, you know. And, and a lot of the, my friends I went to school with, a lot of them are, you know, one of them is in Germany. There's a lot of people in the States. So it's easy to keep in touch with the time zones without worrying too much. 
Nice. Right now, you have these WhatsApp groups and everything. Right, that makes so, it easy. Right, just yeah, to shoot yeah, a text just, in there. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely makes it easy to stay in touch and keep going. Yeah, can can you talk about some of the experiences that you had after college? Yeah, so my first job was in this lab called uh, Intertech Westport Technology Center, and uh, I was at a conference and I met the CEO of that company, not CEO of this division of Westport you know, on a lunch table and just started having casual conversation. He said, why don't you come down to Houston? I was like, shit, sure, yeah. I don't get a reply for an interview on work visa. Is that an issue? I was like, not, not really, because I was already teaching a lab course in my school. So that's how I got my first job, right? So it was in a lab. Uh, I was doing this capillary pressure analysis. It had nothing to do with what I studied in school. I could have taken a two days of course and I could be doing this. It was more about adjusting the cameras to understand how the rock flow is taking on. I was like, man, what am I doing, right? It's great, keeps the, you know, got my work visa. But the goal was always to work for an operator company, right? Where you're in, you're in exploring for oil and gas. The goal was to work for the other side of the phone, like, you know, the whether instead of being a service provider. So within eight months, um, you know, they sponsored my work visa. So October 1, first is where your work visa kicks in. And October 14th, I think I quit my job in two weeks. I applied and, you know, and then I got an operator company called Sapco Oil and Gas at that time. That, that It was a grind to get that job too. It's, it, it, none of this has been easy, right? So I think I applied for like more than 600 companies at that time. Where, what? Just yeah, sending your... Just sending my resumes. You know, that's why I laugh at people when they said, man, I applied to Shell, I'm waiting. I'm like... Waiting on what? You know, just keep applying every day. Apply 30 resumes, you know. Wow. Don't just blast them, but fine tune it to the job role a little bit. You know, put some effort into who the guy, the HR there is, right? Instead of just applying email. I remember I went to the post office and bought like $500 worth of stationery. Oh my like, gosh. Like $250 worth of stamps and $250 worth of envelopes and everything, right? And then... I, I send everyone hard copies. Every day my goal was to send like 30 envelopes out. Wow. So I did that for about a month almost, you know. So I applied like close to 600. I went I went and looked at all the top producers in Houston, uh, sorry, in Texas, Oklahoma, which is public data. And 90% of these companies, you never even hear the names, right? And I think I, I, think I applied like close to 600 companies and I got three responses not three offers, three responses. Out of 600? Out of 600. Oh my goodness. Right? I think uh, three three positive responses, but I think totally had like 10 responses, like saying, oh, it's not a fit, it's not this. Only 10 out of 600, wow. right? So that kind of tells you the market and everything, what it takes. But I had three positive responses, man, do you want to come for an interview or a job? And then there's one job, which was a refinery, you know, kind of in Midwest, they said, this guy been working for the last 30 years. He's going to retire. You want to take this role and going to be working here for next 30 years. It's like set role. I'm like, no, that's not what I want to do. And then uh, uh, one of them was Sapco Oil and Gas. So ended up there. I was super excited. Finally, some operator is just interviewing me. They interviewed me. Um, and then they realized this work visa is not the simplest thing. Right, but I never gave up. I kept chasing them. I was hanging out in the lobby there. Like, you know, it just sounds stupid. Why would this guy? I was like, I was just in the lobby. I was like, you know, just acting like 
I was accidentally here for something else and you know, I'm running into you, but I was there waiting for them, right? Wow. So anyway, I think I think they kind of appreciated that. And my boss at the time, Ali Sabrion, he was kind enough to extend me an offer. And by the way, I took a pay cut from my first job, right? So I was not focused on pay. I was like focused on experience. Mm. It was not about the dollars, mm. right? So, and then, um, and then just work for them for about three years. And then when I took my next job, I think my pay increased by two times. So I'm seeing results, right? Don't focus on the near-term dollars. Just believe in the longer term and midterm and, you know, believe in what you're doing if you think it's the right path. And so, and mm. then I work for a company called uh, Milagro Exploration. And then, um, so uh, while I was Sapco, I was very, Fortunate, you work for a small company, you learn a lot of things. It's very common to hear about that. Like, whereas at Westport, I was just an employee. There are like 64,000 employees across the world. Here it's like 30 employees. So you realize the business business aspects of it, like how you raise money, like what does it take? What is accounting, right? What is engineering? What do the geologists do? So with the knowledge, I was at, um, and also I was very fortunate to have very good bosses, right? I had a, boss called Jane Trusty. She was like, man, I can irritate her 10 times the same question, like acting dumb. She would, you know, because she had a couple of kids, you know, who needed a lot of attention. And so she would treat me the same way and explain me with so much time and attention, right? Like with mm-hmm. a lot of patience. So those kind of things helped me out a lot. And uh, so uh, thanks to her anyway. And then, and then I, I went to Milagro, had a great boss, Gary Maybe. And then when my engineering manager, he quit, he was trying to hire. So I, I initially went there as an asset manager for, for one of the areas who report to the engineering manager who reports to the CEO of the company. So uh, it, I was there for like, I think for a year. Uh, he was trying to hire someone with like 10, 15 years of experience to fill my boss's role. I was like, man, why don't you give me a shot? I can do the job, right? So I thought about that for a while and then he said, you know what, let's try it out. Why not? You know, and then that worked, right? So it worked. I was like, I was managing people within no time. You know, I became like an, wow. you know, engineering manager there. I was just fortunate for him to believe in me and give me that role. Did you feel like you were in over your head when you first assumed the role? You know, it's always very scary, right? You're saying, man, can I do this? You, even though you believe in yourself, there's always like, what else is out here? Yeah. You know, then I said, you know what? Nothing is rocket science. Mm-hmm. What's the worst case scenario? I'll get my asset manager job back or you get fired, you go find another job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to, you know. So because, just try, do the best you can at the time. Yeah, yeah. Do the best that you can, but also have some savings. So that will keep it going. Like, especially years like this, like 2020, you know, you don't need to worry about putting a roof over your head if you mm. have some planning and, you know, you never know like what to expect. I was fortunate to have some savings and kind of take that path and that kind of worked out. And so I did that for three years and then worked for a public company called Seneca Resources. You know, uh, while doing that, I started my first business of exporting chemicals, like frack chemicals and stuff. And uh, I was doing my job, I was very efficient at it. Right, but then my boss there, he was kind of like, he did not like me, I'll leave it at that, right? He not like me because he sees this guy who's putting on this jacket every day at lunch. I don't know whom he's gonna meet, but he's getting my work done. Like that should be his focus if I'm doing his work, but it's not a com- competition. And and that was, he. I told him day one, I was interviewing, 
right? Again, I'm saying this because don't let people, you know, press you down. Like, don't let people like demotivate you, right? Mm. It's okay, right? So I told him, man, this is, I'm, I'm exporting this a frac fluid called guar, like 80, 90% of that is made in India. They use in frac fluids. It's, it's, it's a powder of a seed, right? And I was trying to sell. It took me one year to sell my, do my first sale. So it, it's, it's never easy. So in the process, you learn shit like who's real, who's not true, who's, who's like a real. So I think that even though I only did that one sale in the first year, it taught me so much about different things I approach in my life today. It's like, okay, is this guy a real investor today, right? No, not mm. really. It's a waste of my time. And is that just intuition that you built over time? or was No, it's just because you know by the questions they ask and is this guy real, like, you know, by the relationships they have. There's always some common people. It's easy to check mm. right after you come to certain grind <laughs> through all those years. Uh, and then, so, yeah, so anyway, I worked there and... Uh, uh, he was unhappy and he decided to fire me, right? I was like, that's fine, you know? So, uh, so I came back from India. I think I was at my sister's engagement. And I remember that morning I came to the office. just like, how was your trip? It's great, but I need to go back probably for my sister's wedding in like, in, in like two, three years, right? So, um, uh, and then, uh, so, sorry, in like two, three months. Two, three months. Yeah, Got in it. Like, yeah, okay. In like, sorry. Right. In, like, in like two, three months, it's like, Oh, let's talk about that. You know, I was like, I'm not asking for a vacation. You asked me how your trip was and I'm excited about sister's wedding. Like, so, and anyway, he decided to fire me that morning and then I had to worry about my visa. Be- right? He fired you because you were requesting that time off and the other experiences that were built up. Yeah, right? pr- probably he was, was overtime. Overtime, like, totally. Yeah, yeah, overtime. Right? So then the visa's in question. Now my visa is in question. And fortunately, I was doing my part-time MBA at UH and mm. I converted that to full-time just to keep my visa status. Right. So, but then I took that as a challenge. Right. So we are in uh, 440 Louisiana. That's the building. And uh, at, at that time, I, I, I co-founded a company called like Millennial Energy uh, Partners, like uh, it, with, with a couple of my ex-colleagues. And um, and then we we were looking for office spaces. We ended up in the same building. I was so happy. That was my best thing. Like saying, man, you, you're a partner in one of these companies. You're getting your office in the same building within a year. Wow. They're in four, floor, four, floor four or three and we are in five. And, and how old are you at this time? Uh, almost 30 probably. Wow. Yeah, about 29, 30, <sighs> right? But I took that as a challenge. And I would run into him in the same elevator bank. And this guy is still working there as an employee. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I kind of have a self-satisfaction in myself. You know what? I proved a point. You know, then I realized the goal in life is not to prove a point, just do your best and things happen, right? But it was kind of satisfaction for me running the same guy in the same elevator bank, right? And even there, I remember one day he was telling me, oh man, I hope you learned something from the process from us in a good way. I was like, I know what I learned really. I just learned to be an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And not be bogged down by somebody like a boss who doesn't want you to grow, right? Wow. So so my whole point about saying the experience is like, man, you'll come across so many things in life. Like, don't let those things like demotivate you. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, because it comes down to the question you asked me before, just believe in yourself and give your best and it's okay, it's life. But don't repent for not trying it out. Wow. 
right? So, so I did that when we started. It was kind of small, but then uh, to keep the lights on and everything at Millennial, we were very small when we started. We, you know, a couple of my partners they already started uh, Millennial and PDP. So I went and joined them as a third partner, right, or fourth partner. Um, and then, uh, but, but then, yeah, man, I remember I did some, uh, I joined a company called Legend Natural Gas in the meantime to keep my visa status and my payroll running and, you know, all these things. And once Millennial raised about 25 million or something at the first fund and I was able to come in full time and just focus on that business and kind of grew that, you know. At that time, were you still also getting your MBA from U of H? Uh, no, that was done. That I, was before, done. I, before I went okay. to Legend, that was done. And when I came to Legend, I moved from my <laughs> student visa to work visa again, which is kind of an other pain. It just from just from listening, it sounds like you had a lot to do during each day. Like you were busy. You were a busy person working two yeah, jobs. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's always busy, but that's what it takes, right? Because you have to maintain your visa, but you also want to build something, well, right? What is so, like? What is your work ethic like? What? How do you? How do you build out a day so that you are accomplishing all the things you want to accomplish while also, you know, keep staying mindful? Yeah, probably, man. I don't want to like bullshit you saying I had the whole best planner, best calendar. That's not the event. You know, this is a job that needs to be done. This is when you give stuff to your boss, and then this is what you need to do on the business side. Figure it out in the day, mm. right? So you have your meetings, but that's that's okay. Like. It doesn't need to be an eight to five, right? You want to wake up midnight, go do that, right? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? When you're trying to build, it's not about the time or amount of hours you want to put in, and you just put in the grind, you know. Mm-hmm. So and 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 also you kind of enjoy it because you don't know, like even though you haven't sold, it's kind of grind, man. I could be selling this, and this is what I could be making, right? I would be lying to you if I tell you money was not a part of it. It 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 was a part, but then I realized, you know. I thought at the time like money was a motivating thing for me, but then once I had my first exit, you know, when I had some good exit, it 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 did not change my view over anything. I was still doing the same thing, hmm. right? I was still doing the same thing. Then I realized, man, I think I like to build, and money needs to be the byproduct of it, hmm. right? So, I think I think building something and going to the process of grind or the troubles is what I think is the most fun part, and just not wait for the result. You know, so. Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Failure? I never treat anything as a failure. I treat it as a learning experience, mm. right? And and every learning experience, even today, I keep learning. Every day, if I were to answer a question, I keep failing every day in something or the other. But the key is to learn from it and not repeat it, right? Like, you know, I had some bad partners along the way, right? Like when I started my business or something. Uh, you know, it it was just not the right match. You know, they didn't turn out what I wanted it to be, but I learned it. Then I said, you know, how do I apply this to being applied to the right partner? So when I started Glendale, who's like my right partner right now, you know, I was just looking at, man, is this guy honest guy? Like you just learn. So it's not really a failure. It's a learning experience, right? Mm. And then, And then you work through some investors, right? Like they're not easy. Like every investor has their own, demanding stuff and they want they think that the money guys you know they want to do things their way but you learn over process what is important for you and what is important for them and is there a match in between 
you know, just because he's bringing money to the table, he doesn't need to be the boss, right? Like, it needs to be a partnership. And you know, believe in that self, and you 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 do you shouldn't be afraid to say no, right? It's okay if this investor doesn't work out. Let's go find next one. Let's you know that's the kind of process. Yeah, it's more of a learning experience. I think you know it's not about yeah I can keep on talking about failures forever, right? <laughs> right? Because it took me like one year to sell that first container, right? It's like first container like to make a dollar of revenue. But I was working on the business every single day sending out samples of chemical. And then I was getting these chemicals from India. The guys in India were like, man, how many samples should we send you? Man, we are very close to a sale. We are very close because I need to get it from the same factory that manufactures because so that way I can avoid complications, you know, on the, like on the formulation part, right? So, so it's like a lot of like, a lot of hustle where you manage everybody's expectations, but you don't need to lie or cheat them. You know, you just need to keep the expectations realistic and say, man, I'm giving you your best and keep, you know, so I think, uh, yeah, man, so I fail every day. <laughs> That's I love matter. that. You know, I fail even in my relationship, right? Even wow. my personal relationship, you know, I told you, you know, I'm getting engaged. You know, every day I'm learning from her, right? I'm learning like what it takes to be under one roof and do things together, right? Wow. So it just doesn't need to be professional. Right? But I, I like how you're framing it as learning experiences. And, and that's the reason I ask is that I think failure is an important component in success. You, right. So it sounds like the way you- No, that's, that's what makes me decide what I want today, right? I would love to, you know, go buy a Tesla today. I drive a 10-year-old car. Like, it doesn't motivate me to buy a car, but I'm ready for this year. I'm ready for 2021 saying, what if my business makes zero revenue? Can I survive with the team? And I would rather put that money in paying salaries and keeping the team, keeping the lights on, because this is one of the worst years for oil and gas in like a century, right? So, so I think it's, it's, it's stuff like that. So you fail every day, but you learn it, right? Mm. I would just like to mind your brain a little bit about the future of oil and gas. You say that this is the hardest year. How do you see the future of oil and gas? Man, I don't want to sound like an economist or some oil and gas expert, like, but I don't think oil and gas is going anywhere. I think uh, people will hate me for saying this. I don't think the industry does a good job of representing itself of all the good it does. You know, so we actually do a lot of good than bad. You guys should go read uh, um, uh, Investor Deck from this company called Enterprise Products, right? They will tell you the kind of Good, because like growing up in countries like India, like you'll see there's so many wood-fired stoves for cooking. The amount of pollution those things create, but then, you know, these guys have wood-burning stoves in like a small one-bedroom kitchen home. That's everything for them, right? There's one room, which is kitchen. So the I think the life expectancy of these people came down by 10, 15 years. Right, I'm talking about millions of people because for wood burning stoves. Yeah, because they're using wood and all the pollution and everything. Whereas you go create now, a lot of people are getting replaced by LPG. You know, it was liquefied petroleum gas, right? It's kind of a byproduct of oil and gas, right? So, you know, every plastic we use, like I know plastic is not the best example to bring up here, like in times like COVID, right? You you all want one time disposable stuff, right? So. I, I would strongly encourage people to go read that information, you know, the IR presentation from enterprise products, like who talk about all the good oil and gas does to the world. 
So I don't think the future is going anywhere. I think we need alternate energy. I'm a big believer in keeping this planet safe and healthy for the future generations. It's great to see a lot of investments in alternate energy like solar, wind and everything. But I think our population is growing at such a pace. I don't think oil and gas is going to get replaced anytime soon, at least the next 10, 20 years. You know, but but it's great. We need alternate energies to come up and the world needs to change the new technology where, you know, but so I think it will be a mix because the consumption, the demand for the growth of energy is going to increase. That's why I want you to go read this enterprise yeah. product slide deck. So many times I mentioned it. It's kind of really good information on it tells you like the world could we need this investment in alternate energy. So, but I think there's enough scope for oil and gas too, because it's just not gasoline we produce. Like, you know, even if you're using a ventilator, the mask you use, it's a byproduct of oil and gas, right? Like all the PP equipment, right? It's all from oil and gas byproduct, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you're going to use a hand sanitizer, that's like one of the byproducts of oil and gas, right? So, you know, there's a lot of good stuff we do too. And I agree there's there's be, been some bad, like, uh, you know, spills and everything, right? And and these companies should be punished for that. You know, I love oil and gas. I love alternate energy. And I think there needs to be less pollution. We need a safer planet. But I don't think, sadly, it's not going away anywhere. Whereas times like this, where everybody's struggling, I think it's going to reset. The industry is going to reset and probably come out stronger. Wow. Right. So... I think the industry is also more focused on returning capital to investors, which which has been the bad side of oil and gas. Like not every oil and gas company, but most of them, they're so focused on growth and they just kept on drilling, right? I think those are things that are going to change, hmm. right? You're not now you're focused on uh, returning capital back to the investors in form of dividends or or like paying down debt, right? So you don't have the big debt expense every month. Hmm. Uh, so. Uh, I think I think it's evolving right now for the good. I think things like this pandemic, even though it hurts everyone, we lost more than 100,000 jobs in this industry. You know, uh, the best thing about this industry is the people, right? I don't think a lot of those people are coming back to the oil industry. You know, I'm glad they're able to find jobs at Amazon, like a warehouse manager or something else. You know, that that's great, right? So... And, and on that same token, the Houston economy very much thrives off oil and gas. So you would say the same thing about Houston. You see a long-term happy future for Houston? You know, I used to think that way. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been trying to buy a home forever, hoping the crash will create an opportunity. But honestly, like Houston, I think it has moved out itself by just depending on oil and gas. You know, there's a great, it's, it's a great city. There's, we have one of the best, like the... Um, like the Houston Medical Center is like one of the best areas, right? For like, and I think the education-wise, some of the schools here, and I, I think, I think it's it's less dependent on oil and gas compared to the past, and that things are changing. Of course, uh, uh, there's still a lot of struggle. There's still a lot of oil and gas dependent on that, but uh, I think it's changing for the good, and it's already changed. You can see in the real estate market, like homes are gone, like hotcakes, especially if you're in the sub $500,000 range that tells you about the market, right? So uh, fortunately, it's not completely dipping in oil and gas because it's a great state. You know, there's no state taxes here. People are very friendly, welcoming, right? It's it's great weather. If you can survive the three months, you know, people go to Wales, right. like, like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like where you are from. They call it, 
you know, summer, uh, you know, everybody's in Colorado from Houston, right? Or they're mm -hmm. traveling. So, man, if you can survive the summer, I think it's a great place. Like, you know, like you can have for food, I think you can compare to New York. Like it, it's great food-wise, like culture. The airport is amazing. You know, you can go to like anywhere in Mexico, like in a couple hours. You can, you can go to all of Central America, like, you know, I mean, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. International it's, it's, Yeah, it's all like two, two and a half hour flights, right? You know, uh, I don't know, Brazil, that, that was a longer flight. It was about 10, 11 hours, I think. But mm. so it, it's a great city, even if you want to go travel like another country, right? Where the culture really changes, you know? So yeah, I, yeah, like I love Houston. You know, Same. I like it. And you can, and it's very comfortable, man. You can buy a car, you can drive anywhere you want. You don't need to depend on public transport, especially in times like COVID, right? Like, so, you know, yeah, I love the city. It, it, it gave me life, so I can't complain. <laughs> wow. If you had an opportunity to put a phrase, sentence, or a quote onto a billboard that would be broadcast in front of millions, if not billions of people, what would it say and why? Again, I don't want to sound like uh, some guru here <laughs> saying this, but I think the point is uh, life is just not about money. You know, it's more about the way you do business, the way you conduct yourself, how, how honest with you are. And like uh, having that peace of mind when you go to your bed, like, man, did I do, do my best today? And did I cheat anyone? Like, was I, was I honest to myself? Was I honest to my business partner? Was I honest to my, my you know, my like fiance now or like if you're married like you know i think it's all being honest to yourself and your family and and just still hoping for the best and just doing your best i think the like what i see we are so lost in this world we're just grinding every day and you tend to forget including me to an extent you know you're always grinding i'm traveling for business development city after city but i think years like 2020 i know there's a lot of bad in this world but also the good part, at least for me, was let me focus on my life and kind of figure out what is important to me, right? And 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 just kind of work that way, you know? And just don't be lost doing things for others. Do for yourself first. You know, do for yourself and your loved ones. Don't worry about the rest of the world, you know? You cannot please everyone and convince everyone. And you know what? You don't need to do that. It's okay, right? If you're truthful to yourself and your heart, you know, just have have a good time, no matter what others think about it. You know, it's that's life. Take it day by day. Wow, Vignesh, thank you so much for sharing your story and experiences with us. And I appreciate it, Zach. Thank you. Thanks have for hosting me. Have a good it's one. It's been my pleasure. Take care, Vignesh. <laughs> you too. Thank you for listening to this entire podcast. You are a lovely human being. Have a wonderful day. Oh,